Or what? Really cool. I love hearing these stories. Fantastic. Um, if, if you're new, I probably haven't met you because I haven't been gone quite a while. So I'm, I'm the founding pastor of the church, which means I started the church, which also means I'm really old. I'm the old, I'm AKA the old bald guy, okay? And um, I was the lead pastor until last year. Now Jason Soderstrom is our lead pastor and he's doing a, a much better job than I ever did. Yeah. And by the way, you never clapped when I was lead pastor, but go ahead, clap for him. Let's clap for him, everybody. That never happened to me. Wow. Okay. Thanks for letting me know that it's good that I'm not the lead pastor anymore. Um, so now I, I spend most of my time leading disciple-making movements, which are just disciples who make disciples, and they start little house churches ar around the world. And uh, my, my uh, focus is on unreached people groups uh, globally, and then locally it's refugees and immigrants, and we're seeing just massive, massive growth. It's, it's incredible how God's blessing uh, the work that this church is doing. My primary client now is a probably a, a widow in a village where the gospel has never been heard. So I wake up thinking about how do we reach her and help her make disciples of her friends and have a community that we would call a church, be in a home or under a tree or something. It's, I never dreamed I'd be doing this, but it's, like, it's just the coolest thing ever. And uh, one of the biggest obstacles I face, I never dreamed I'd be bumping into this, is the topic of persecution. So many of the people that I'm, I'm helping and, and the leaders that I'm, I'm serving I'm on Zoom calls and WhatsApp calls every morning. So many of them are facing persecution every single day. And, and in 30 years uh, pastoring churches here in the U.S., I've never spoken on the topic of, of persecution. I have over, over there. I never have here. But uh, today, because of the text I'm in, that's going to be my topic. So if you're, if you're just joining us, we're in a series of messages titled Final Words. It's the final words of Jesus in the Upper Room Discourse in John. And uh, my text begins in John 15, 18 through 20. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. And that's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So Jesus is saying that if you follow him, uh, you will be persecuted. You, you will be hated. Happy Sunday. Aren't you glad you got up and drove in the snow to hear this, right? <laughs> You've been walking on ice and all that. Oh, yeah, here we go. It gets worse. Uh, John 16, 1 through 3. All this I've told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. They will do such things because they've not known the Father or me. How many of you have ever found hope in God's promises? You've gone through a difficult time and you've like, clung to a promise, right? Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Come on, show me. You, you, yeah, okay, I thought there'd be a few Christians here. Um, you cling to promises during difficult seasons like that. How many of you have ever clung to this promise? Anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. I've never seen that on a sticky note on a mirror anywhere or a bumper sticker. Um, our, our, our culture here in the U.S., and, and the, most of the cultures of the world have, have no problem with a, a private Christian. You know, say your prayers, go to church once in a while, do a few rituals, be a nice boy or girl, and there'll be no problems. But if you choose to go public with your faith, if you choose to live out the teachings of Jesus in the public square, if you open your mouth and share your story of what he's done in your life, if you talk about the good news of Jesus Christ and how he is Lord and Savior of the universe, 
you will be persecuted. You will be. Full stop, it's a promise from God. It's just not one we like to claim. But wait, there's more. Just to tighten the lug nuts a little bit more on our discipleship, Jesus goes on to say in John 15, 26 through 27, when the advocate comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Here we go. And you also must testify, for you've been with me from the beginning. Jesus is saying that there's no such thing as a private Christian. That if you keep your, your mouth shut, you're not really being a disciple of Jesus. Because you're not sharing the good news of Jesus with, with other people. So now you understand what it means to be a founding pastor, okay? So Jason does the messages on love, joy, peace, pixie dust, and making babies. My last message was tithing. Today I'm talking about how you can get killed if you're a Christian. This was not in the contract. I'm not sure where he went, but anyway. Uh, th- this topic, it, it, it shakes up my spiritual snow globe. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. We'll talk about the insanity of persecution here in a few moments. But from the vantage point of God, I'm like, how, how could you, God, how could you let your kids, the people you love, those you call your sons and daughters, how can you let them suffer so much? And even be persecuted for the fact that they follow you and have trusted in your son. I have five kids, three grandkids, going to the East Coast to visit one this week. And I, I, I realize I have a different understanding of what it means to be a, a parent, I think, sometimes than God does. So more on that in a, in a few moments. Uh, but for me, this is not, as I've mentioned, a theoretical topic. I, I bump into it all the time. I was in, and I won't use names or of countries or people today because it could actually endanger some people because we are on YouTube. And I think I've always had never more than 12 views of a message. Camille does one song, 58,000 views. So we're not a lot of danger, but I still have to protect the innocent here today, okay? So let me show you a couple pictures. This is a picture of a group of people from uh, uh, Southeast Asia. I I was training them uh, uh, two weeks ago. This guy's the leader. He and I talk every week. Let me just tell you a few stories just in this picture. This guy back here whose face is blurred out, uh, he has been to prison three times. He once went to prison for two years for sharing his faith. Last year, he baptized 47 people after he got out of prison. He will not shut his mouth. And what's kind of cool is I don't think he's going to go back because he's reached so many widows and so many women in these villages that if the police come to get him, they're like, "Uh uh-uh, you can't touch this guy because he's made their lives so much better. Uh, this, this, uh, this guy here, who is the leader, he, his, when he came to faith, his family basically kicked him out of the family, and they've shunned him ever since. This young woman here, she's only been a follower of Jesus for, I think, less than a year, and I think her friend that's discipling her is right there. And uh, she led her to Jesus, and then uh, she was poisoned about six months ago for sharing the gospel with her friends. Her belly was extended for several weeks from the poison. Okay. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, this is another friend. This guy is reaching unreached people groups that have never heard the gospel. Amazing guy. He's been faithful for over 30 years, and he's had his house burned down twice for preaching the gospel, and he has a family. So this is, this is not a theoretical topic. It, it's something I'm confronted with every, every single day. 
But, but persecution is not just something that's like over there somewhere in the global south. It's here also. It, it may not be as severe. It's more nuanced, but it is here. And I'm, I'm pretty sure some of you are going to walk out of here today going, I didn't think I was being persecuted, but now I think I am. It, it just looks different. It, it feels different. Um, I, I know a woman in our church who almost lost her job last year for challenging the sexual ethics of a friend, okay, friend, close friend, who claims to follow Jesus but wasn't following his teachings in that area of her life. Almost lost her job, went to HR. Um, I, I know many of you who've been baptized in the last year, you have been canceled by friends and family members and perhaps people at work. So it's not just over there, it's here too, just in different forms. And it's going to get worse. I'm not trying to be like, you know, I'm not like a sky is falling kind of guy, but I think it's going to get worse as, as we continue to secularize in the West. Uh, you and your kids might face persecution if you put a line in the sand with their teachers regarding their sex education. This has already happened in our church several times with parents. Uh, you might have a glass ceiling placed on you at work because you follow Jesus and you've gone public with your faith. Uh, your non-Christian friends might unjustly consider you self-righteous, intellectually uninteresting, or anti-LGBTQ+, because of unfortunate stereotypes they have based on immature Christians they've met and people they've seen in, in the media. Persecution is happening in our culture right here in the West, and it's happening in our church. And it hurts. I've experienced persecution. It hurts. And some of you are hurting. And we want to carry this burden with you as a church. We want you to be able to name it and let us know you're experiencing it so we can pray with you and carry the burden with you. That's what it means to be a spiritual family. And we also want to carry the burden that our brother, brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are bearing as well. So this topic, I'm sure, raises all kinds of questions for you, as it, as it does for me. Uh, what exactly is persecution? How, how, how prevalent is it? Um, why do the haters hate? Hate, hate. Because we are in that era, are we not? You, come on. I'm rusty, but... Uh, then how are we to respond? This, I'll, I'll end with this. How are we to respond when it actually happens? What do we do when we get persecuted? So... Let's, let's kick in. Uh, persecution is intentionally punishing someone emotionally, socially, occupationally, or physically because of their religious beliefs. So when we think of persecution, we often think of death. If you've ever heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs, you think about people dying you know, at the stake and that kind of thing. We think of Jesus going to the cross. He was persecuted for us to the point of death. In fact, the word uh, witness in the Bible means martyr. He was a martyr. Eleven of the twelve disciples were, were killed for their faith, for their testimony, martyrdom. Uh, there's physical persecution, that's beatings, poisonings, you know, imprisonments. Um, there's social persecution, which is, is what most of us experience here. We get canceled by family, friends, co-workers. Uh, emotional persecution. This is the guy at work that likes to tell dirty jokes because he knows you are trying to follow Jesus and he wants to kind of like, you know, put you on edge a little bit, see if he can get you to be self-righteous. Uh, occupational persecution. This is what can happen if you were to say, apply for a job at CU. And then in the interview, they find out you're a Christian, and you probably sense the temperature of the room cooling down just a little bit. Unless your name is Prime. If your name is Prime, 
you have immunity and you're going to get the job. Just keep winning football games. But, but there are fields, are there not? There are whole sectors of our, you may not have called it persecution, but the enemy has attacked you. Um, this happened to me last fall. Um, a lot of you know the story. I, I was trying to go do some, uh, some training of our leaders that we meet with on the phone all the time. But you've got to get face-to-face to really get to know people and build a relationship. And a week before I was supposed to go over, I was playing soccer with my son. And I was trying to dribble backwards, which when you're over 60 is really stupid. Don't do that. And then I started losing my balance, which happens more and more frequently when you're over 60. And I started running backwards and trying to get my legs under me. I couldn't. And I kind of launched myself and fell straight back. And had a, a concussion and did a bunch of damage to my neck. But I didn't really notice it. Next day I preached for one of our, our uh, church plants. And then went on a trip and got a fever. 103 degree temperature. And then I came back and I was in the most pain that I've ever experienced in my life. I went to the hospital twice. I was in the ER twice. Uh, there was one night where Chris had to call the ambulance. Like she couldn't even take me to the hospital. And I was on uh, morphine and Dilaudid and Valium and fentanyl. Fentanyl became like my best friend, by the way. That stuff, I know it's down the streets, but like, hit me again, guys. And if you haven't been in an ambulance recently, it's a really safe place to be. Because I'm looking at these guys, and they've, like, their nose is pierced, their tongue is pierced, their ears are pierced. I go, I go these guys love needles. They love needles. I'm in a safe place. Okay? So they're putting needles all over the place, and I'm like, I get, I, I get into the, the hospital the second time, spinal tap, MRI, CT scan. And there was a point where I, uh, this, this is demonic. And I'm not, you know, find a demon under every rock kind of guy. I have an overly naturalistic worldview, I think, to, my, to a fault. But I go, this is, this is dark. I think this is the enemy. And I believe it was. And I want to thank many of you. A lot of you were praying for me. I, I think there were hundreds, maybe thousands praying uh, globally. I, I think I got through that because of your prayers. So thank you. So how, how, how prevalent is this? We, we tend to be a little naive in the West because it's not in our face like it is in other parts of the world. Uh, last year, roughly 5,600 Christians were murdered for their faith. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned. Another 4,000 were kidnapped. And uh, 5,000 churches or other religious structures were, were destroyed. Uh, the top 10 countries where persecution takes place. Number one, North Korea. Worst place in the world to be a Christian. It's a totalitarian government. Uh, historically, totalitarian governments and Christians do not get along. The, the Roman government was totalitarian in the first century they, they called their Caesars Lord and expected people to worship the Caesars. Jesus' students, his followers said, no, 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 the Caesar isn't Lord, Jesus is Lord. Roman authorities said, great, you can hang out with Russell Crowe and the gladiator ring. Go over there, have fun, okay? Totalitarian governments and Christianity, does not, they do not blend together because we believe Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord. So if you're a Christian in North Korea and you're discovered, really good chance you're going to die or be sent in prison. Um, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria. All the countries I just listed with the exception of Eritrea, which is in a civil war. Persecution is, is rampant because of radical Islam. Now be careful before you yelp me or whatever. I'm not being Islamophobic here. I'm talking about radical Islam. 
you have to open your eyes to this reality. It is the number one cause in the world of persecution of Christians today. And every, every religion has its crazies, has its radicals. Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, we got some crazies. There's a couple in the room right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we, you know, so be aware, this is a big issue in so many countries. The, the radicals in that movement are persecuting Christians a lot. Then uh, rounding out the list at number 10 is India, which is highly nationalistic. The, the prevailing view of the government over there is that to be an, an Indian, you must be Hindu. If you're not Hindu, if you're a Christian or Muslim, you're not really an Indian. They even have like anti-conversion and reconversion laws to prevent people from being Muslim or Christian over there. And, and so persecution there is very, very high. So why do the haters hate? Hate, hate, hate. I can't shake it off. Sorry, man, I can't help myself. That's like a dad joke now. That's okay. All right. I mean, well, like, seriously, like, what is the problem? This doesn't make a lot of sense. Jesus told us to love our neighbor, love our neighbors as ourselves. Why would people hate well-meaning followers of Jesus who are trying to live out his, his teachings? Why? Uh, before I answer that question, I, w- I want to address something that some of you are thinking about because you're re- very thoughtful people. Some of you are thinking about, well, well some Christians kind of deserve it because they're annoying, <laughs> right? Do you know those people? You ever heard of Westboro Baptist Church, anybody? Okay, Topeka, Kansas. These are people who go uh, to the funerals of dead soldiers and gay people, and they pick it and say, that's God's judgment. Okay? And then they wonder, they call it persecution when, when people react to them. That's not persecution. That is justified outrage. So we're not talking today about being persecuted for unrighteousness. We're talking about being persecuted for righteousness. We're not talking about your your annoying uncle who has enmeshed his politics and his Christianity and runs Thanksgiving dinner every every year. We're talking about people who love Jesus, who are maturing in the ways of Jesus, and because they're public with their faith, they get persecuted. Top three reasons, according to Jesus in the text that we've been looking at, that followers of Jesus get persecuted. Number one is because Jesus is polarizing. In John 15, 18, which we read earlier, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Why do people hate Jesus? John 15, 22. Part of it's because of his holiness and how it reveals our sinfulness. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He also taught that, that trusting in him leads to eternal life, but if you don't trust in him, that could lead to God's wrath. And eternity is separated from God. He says in John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Now, he also calls us not just to, to believe in him, but to completely give him control of our lives. Like he wants everything. Not just a little bit, he wants all of you. And so he says in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Moment by moment, surrender is what he wants. So talk about being the, the skunk at the lawn party, right? Jesus is polarizing. I've spent a lot of time in, in airports recently. And you know those carts that they put people in to get them to the, you know, where they got to go real fast? They got the little the, the light, right, in the back going on. And the guy's like honking or whatever. And he's yelling at you to get out of the way. And he goes right down the terminal and he's like splitting humanity into two groups, you know. And, and you spill coffee on you. I, I, I ran that guy a few times recently. That's like Jesus. He spills coffee all over you. He just goes right down 
the middle of humanity, and he separates people into two groups, those who love him and those who don't. C.S. Lewis said he's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord of the universe. That's it. Those are the only options. You can't make Jesus out to be, you know, like a hippie with a tie-dye t-shirt and some, some Birkenstocks, you know, like a yoga guru on Pearl Street in Boulder. He's just not that guy. I mean, look at the claims we just read about him. He claims to be the Lord and Savior of the universe. He wants complete and total allegiance. Nothing short of that will satisfy him. So if you're on the hate him side of the terminal, you know, then you're going to hate his followers because they're going to remind you of him all the time. He's polarizing. And that's why people hate his followers, because they're polarizing. Now, number two is values clash with the values of our world. In John 15, 19, Jesus says, if you belong to the world, it, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. My, my, my wife, a while back, she had an atheist friend who passed away. And when she was in the hospital, my wife wanted to go visit her to pray for her and, and to say goodbye. But also she was hoping for an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with her and give her the hope of eternal life on the other side of her imminent death. And her other non-Christian friends kept her from going. They would not allow her to go to the hospital. If you know my wife, she is not one of these, you know, screaming, yelling kind of Christians. She's emotionally intelligent. She's very compassionate. She's very soft-spoken and sensitive. But they kept her from going. You see, my, my wife is a part of a different world than they are. She loves them. She cares for them. She doesn't judge them. But their values could not be more different. Jesus hates us because our values are so at odds with the values of this world. And then the final reason he gives us for why people persecute students of Jesus is because evil is not reasonable. It just doesn't make any sense. In John 15, 25, Jesus says, this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. I mean, have you ever wondered why people do evil things? Why do people go in schools and kill innocent little babies, little kids? Why do they blow up hospitals? Why do they go in crowd and crowds and blow people up? Why, why do people do such horrific evil things to innocent people? It, it doesn't make any sense. Because evil is insane. The closest I can get to why evil happens is there is... In the spiritual realm, there is a, we have an enemy. Scripture says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and forces in the heavenly realm. And, and the devil hates the image of God. He sees any of us, he sees the image of God, and he hates God, so he hates us. If you follow Jesus, Jesus has a plan. He wants to restore that image. As you follow him, you'll become more and more like God. The, the beauty and the truthfulness and the justice and the love of God will become more and more evident in your life. And he hates that. And he wants to deface that. And that's why he will persecute you and he'll use other people to do so. Evil's insane. It's irrational. So when we're persecuted, and if you go public with your faith, you will be persecuted. It's coming for you. What do we do? 
how, how are we to respond? Uh, I've got two tools for your persecution tool belt today. Um, one is embrace risk and suffering. You have to embrace it. Here's a strange passage. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Yippee-yay. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is saying if you're persecuted, it's actually a blessing. You need to embrace it as a blessing. This is just what happens to people in the kingdom of God. He's trying to normalize this for us. The guys I'm, I'm training and the women I'm training in other parts of the world, it's, I've, I've discovered something really interesting. The people who are most afraid of persecution are the ones who've never been persecuted. And the ones who are just fearless about persecution are the ones who've been persecuted the most. The people I showed you, they are sharing their faith and they're trying to lead significant disciple-making movements that will reach thousands and perhaps one day millions of people. My best leaders are the ones who've been persecuted the most, the ones who've gone to prison, had their houses burned down, and have been beaten for their faith. Um, they've discovered the blessing of persecution. That There's this special grace and, and this extraordinary power from the Spirit and an intimacy with God that comes on people who are persecuted. And it leaves them saying, I'm blessed. Now, one of our values here at RST is, is suffering. We often will say to each other, hey, suffering is our friend. If you go to our website, that's kind of how we, we worded that. And, and if you're new, before you run for the doors and Yelp review us, um, let me try to unpack that, okay? Uh, the reason we embrace suffering and risk, even the risk of persecution, is because we just don't grow without it. We, we need resistance to grow. We need suffering and even brokenness to grow. Uh, back to my kids, I, I mentioned earlier how this whole idea that God lets his, his sons and daughters suffer, how it kind of shakes up my snow globe sometimes. But upon further reflection, I realized I do this. Like I, let my, I intentionally create suffering sometimes for my kids as a, as a parent. A, a while back, my, my daughter Emery would take her shoes off every time she got in the car, which as a parent, unless you have the Velcro shoes, if you actually tie the laces, this is extremely annoying. If you're single, think twice about having kids. This is so annoying. So I put her in the car, I tie the shoes, then she takes them off. If, if we're driving five minutes to school, she'd take her shoes off. I'm like, over and over again, Emery, stop, stop, stop. And then finally I go, okay, I've had enough. And so I go, fine, you don't want to wear shoes? It, there was, it was a snowy, cold day. I said, you're going to walk to school barefoot like your father did his whole life. Okay? So I made her walk in, in the wet and the cold and the snow barefooted. She was howling, big old crocodile tears. <laughs> I actually, I hate to say it, but I kind of enjoyed it just a little bit, okay? But guess what? She does not take her shoes off now. She learned her lesson. And I'm pretty sure this is the way our Heavenly Father is towards us. He's not a sadistic God. He just wants to help us grow. And, and we need resistance to grow. Want to increase your VO2 max? You superstar athletes here, marathon runner right there. You need some cardiovascular resistance. You, you want to increase your, 
your emotional resilience, you need some emotional resistance. You want to increase your spiritual strength and stamina, you need some spiritual resistance. We don't become more like Jesus. We don't become more like God without it. So I want to encourage you, church, take some spiritual risk. Take some risk. Tell people at work that you're a student of Jesus. Pray out loud with your family. Read the Bible to your kids. Tell tell your non-Christian parents what Jesus has done in, in your life. Take some risk, and when you get persecuted, consider yourself blessed. For they persecuted Jesus and the prophets who were before you. A uh, second tool for your, your toolkit, and I'll, I'll end with this. Um, we, we need to bless our persecutors. This doesn't come natural to any of us, but we actually need to bless those who persecute us. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Luke 6, 27 through 28, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This does not come natural for me. When people hurt me, I want to hurt them back. I told Jason this week, there's so many people in this church that are so godly. I spend a lot of energy just trying to keep my inner murderer on a chain, okay? (laughs) You hit me, I want to hit you back. It's my nature. Jesus is saying, nope, 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 don't do that. Confound the world. Make evil think you're insane by blessing it when it curses you and hurts you. So I have a friend uh, named Jay. And he is my partner in crime when it comes to movements locally and globally. And we've been traveling together recently. And, uh, man, he lives a risky life. He's taking, without going into detail, he's taking a lot of risk right now. So pray for my friend. And uh, last year he, he went to jail in a country somewhere in Southeast Asia because he preached the gospel. And so for three days, he was in this jail cell with a toilet that hadn't been cleaned in 30 years, with a bed without sheets, sweat-stained, nasty bed. Other, other uh, people were in the cell with him. You can only imagine what it smelled like. Mosquitoes biting him over and over again. And his, his prison guards heckling him and abusing him. And then on the third day, he got out but not before leading his three prison guards to Jesus. I actually have a picture of it, but even with blurred out faces, it's too risky to show you. My friend Jay knows how to bless those who persecute him. He's the bravest, most courageous man I know. Uh, Let's let his example inspire us. And who knows, maybe when you bless those who persecute you, maybe your persecution becomes the strongest part of your witness. And God actually uses that to lead them to Jesus too. Amen? Yeah. All right. I want to close by giving us some space to pray. So if you would, uh, please bow your heads and uh, get in a posture prayer for just a moment. Um, some of you are being persecuted right now. Before you came in here today, you may not have called it that. You may not have even had a category for it. Maybe you've never even, you've never even heard about persecution before, but you're like, oh, you know what? That's what they call what's happening to me. 
And it may be with your family. It may be with a boyfriend, girlfriend. It may be at work. It may be with people you went to college with. But you are experiencing some persecution. And if you are, as your church, we want to carry this burden with you. And I would like to pray for you. I, I would love to have that honor right now. And so if you're experiencing any kind of persecution right now, emotional, spiritual, perhaps physical, social, occupational, will you just quietly slip up your hand so I can see who I'm praying for right now? Just raise your hand if you're experiencing, I see you, I see you. Anybody, I see you, I see you, I see you. Anybody else? Any brothers and sisters in the house? Anybody else? Father, we, we pray for those with hands raised right now. We pray for our brothers and sisters. We, we thank you for their witness. We thank you for their willingness to endure spiritual warfare on behalf of the gospel. We pray that uh, you would encourage, strengthen, and sustain them. And we pray that you would turn their persecution into a witness. And we pray for their persecutors as they pray for them. As they love them, as they bless them, we pray their persecutors become followers of you as well. And then, Father, we want to extend that prayer to our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted throughout the world, uh, some of whom are being threatened in this moment to be killed for their faith. We pray, God, they would stay strong, that they would not renounce their faith, that they would stay faithful, and that you would use their their persecution, and perhaps even their martyrdom to further the gospel and to embolden those that they know. Now, some of you, as you heard this message, the Spirit was speaking to you about how you're not being persecuted. And you're not being persecuted because you've chosen to stay in your comfort zone. You've not been public with your faith. There are people that need to know about the hope you carry in your heart but you have not been willing to speak up. Please know we are saved by grace. There is no shame in this room. There's no condemnation in this room. This is a safe place to be honest with yourself, with God and others. But if this morning you'd like for me to pray for you, that you would grow in boldness, that you would, you would use your witness on behalf of others, I'm going to invite you right now just to raise your hand quietly, wherever you are. Oh, yeah, lots of hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God's going to honor this act right now. Jesus, Jesus, my friends who've been shrinking back in fear, I've been there with them. We all have. We, we pray for holy boldness to come over them. We pray that you would fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no power to witness apart from the Holy Spirit. And so we pray you would infuse them and fill them with the Holy Spirit. That you give them exactly what they need to say when they need to say it. And we pray that the, the fruit of their witness would be that many would be saved and restored into the image of God as they follow Jesus alongside them. Final group. Some of you are here today and you've started coming recently because of, as Jason mentioned, social media or a friend. But you have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus and receive the gift he's offering you today. Let me ask you two questions. One, this morning, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive your sin? Do you believe he is, he is the only one who can save you? Do you believe that he longs to give you eternal life and fill you with his spirit? 
Do you believe that he is the Lord of the universe? If right now you're willing to say yes to him as your savior and your Lord and surrender your life to him in your heart right now, just say yes. Say yes to him. You will never regret it. This could be the best day of your life. Just say yes to Jesus right now. And then as soon as possible, get baptized. We will baptize you today if you want. The word of God says, do not hasten and delay to obey the word of God. When you say yes to Jesus, Jesus wants you to go public and he wants you to express the fact that your sins have been washed away and you've been raised to a whole new life through the ritual of baptism. That is your very next step. Please get baptized as soon as possible. Not because of your salvation, or not for your salvation, but because of it. Father, we, we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. We pray uh, you would protect, comfort, and sustain them. And we pray for ourselves. We pray that we would not shrink back as a church from living out our faith in the public square. And so Jesus, this morning, we thank you for being the lamb who was slain, but who now sits on the throne as our Savior and King. 